Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is ha dibah. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Boldly go where no man has gone before. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. His trivia questions will make you ponder from down under. Oh, that's so stupid. Captain Pikelet's doggo daddy and host of the impossibly difficult Trexperts quiz. It's Davey Willett! Yeah! What a, oh my god, Todd A. Davis, like yes, the sir. Todd A. Davis, wow, what a surprise, I didn't know whose Zoom meeting I was joining. <laughs> I had an invite, not sure what it's, what it's about, yeah, but I was okay, like, I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll click this link, sure. <laughs> oh, how you been, man, it's been a while. It, it has been a while since we recorded together, uh, yeah, I've been well, it... But I am melting. It is the Australian summer right now, and we are having a, a bit of a heat wave. It's about 40 degrees, <laughs> which Ooh. is, I, I, I don't know the Fahrenheit translation, but I think it's roughly somewhere in the 90s Fahrenheit. So, oh, geez, um, yeah, well, see, I mean, it's a good thing. Yeah, I, say, I, uh... it's a good thing. It's not video, so that your um, listeners don't have to see my sweat marks that are going to start to evolve as we go. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm kind of tired of you pretending like you're not good looking. Okay, <laughs> so listen. I ne- I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to rein it in and just own it. <laughs> Modesty I... is an Australian trait. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, yeah, uh, for folks who don't know, uh, I, I think we first met, well, we probably first got acquainted through social media, um, That's right. and then you were kind enough to accept my, uh, very obnoxious offer to come on your show <laughs> <laughs> and, and lose and lose at Trexpert's quiz. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you, first of all. How far back does your Star Trek fandom go? Were you single digits? Did you find it in high school or in college? Like, take us back. Yeah, it's it's single digits. Really? I'm pretty sure I was about seven or eight. I can't tell you exactly, but it was definitely in the single digits territory. And people are often surprised by what my my gateway drug to Star Trek was. It was the original series, season one, episode, Shore Leave. (laughs) Okay, uh, take me through just because I'm uh, I'm still reeling. Yeah, go for it. What's... Yeah, yeah. so they go to, you know, they they arrive on this planet. It's, it's, It's Kirk, McCoy, I think Sulu, you know, some random pretty yeomans and... They're, you know, like they do on every TOS episode, they're like, oh, it's like Eden. Uh, and then Eden turns turns out to have, you know, quite murderous qualities because there's... A, the planet is meant to be some kind of actual recreational planet and 
you know, an old school TV antenna follows them around and reads their minds and whatever they're thinking about comes real. So the giant rabbit, you know what? The giant rabbit. Yes. I I saw the light bulb come on just then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that was, so that was the earliest for you. Yeah. It was on a VHS tape. So I was in a, in a store with my mother called crazy prices. So, you know, like, you know, I, I think you might call them a dime store. You know, nothing over two dollars, that kind of thing. Of course, yeah. Yeah, you know, everything's very, very cheap and plasticky. Uh, but yeah, there was this bargain bin of uh, VHS cassettes. You know, old Western movies that no one's ever really heard of. You know, bootleg copies of literally everything. And then there was these uh, cassettes that were that were called you know Star Trek classic episodes, just a single nice. episode of, of you know. Um, you know, this one was called Classic Episode 3, which I thought meant it was the third episode in the show. It was not. Uh, you know, if, if you ever, you could go and Google, Google, you know, Star Trek Classic Episodes, surely, and you'll probably find like an image of the actual VHS. It was such poor quality, but I picked it up and I was, I was, I was captivated by it. I was like, mm. Enterprise, I'm like, what is this? And mum watched would loved star trek as a little girl her and her sisters and her other siblings used to watch it religiously and she's like she's like no you want that let's get it you'll love this (laughs) and so she she encouraged it yeah (laughs) oh that's so great oh i i always love hearing the stories of i used to watch it with my mom my dad my Mm. my aunt uncle my grandpa and now I watch it with my significant other or my kids. I love those types of stories just to see the the progression mm. of fandom through through generations. I love that. I love that, man. Um, so after TOS, did you get into the movies or was it straight into TNG and like the like that what's called legacy track? I always referred to it as the TNG era, but I was corrected recently. It's legacy track. <laughs> Yeah, all the Berman era, like whatever you want, or yeah, people have different names for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so look, TNG was probably in its ugh, like third or fourth season on Australian TV at this time. Yeah, Australian okay. yeah, yeah. television was not good at broadcasting it. We were probably watching a good season and a half behind the US. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so. It? Yeah, well, on. I was just going to say that that's really interesting because uh, so just before we uh, started recording today is actually uh, Eastern Standard Time. Today is February 16th, uh, about 1045 at night. Uh, the wife and I just finished watching the Picard season three premiere. Is that out where you are? It's just dropped. So it is 2.44 p.m. on Friday here uh-huh. and it is just gone uh, available on Amazon Prime. Uh, it, apparently, it's all going to move to Paramount Plus, but Amazon Prime still seems to have it, so it's there. Mm. I have not gone on social media all day. I have muted all of my sci-fi chats with all my other Star Trek fans because Smart. I committed to watching it with my good friend Glenn tonight at seven p.m. in silence. <laughs> of course, of course, you have to. You have to. I, I. Yeah. Uh... I was really because like it went from it went from like memes that had been made from trailer images. And I was OK with that. But when I started to see like headlines attached to certain images, I was like, nope, scroll on. I don't want to know. Don't want to know anything. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, and I've already got the impression that a lot of people like it, and I want to, and I, I, I want to really like it too. But I don't want my expectations set too high. I just want to go into it with total equilibrium. But we'll. <laughs> I, you know, sure. as a, I was raised on TNG and, mm. uh, you know, I watched all of season one and season two of Picard, like as they dropped. And I, I think you're going to dig this. I think, you know, based on a single watching of the season three premiere, I think you'll enjoy it. So it's. TN yeah. TNG is my bag. It's totally my thing. It's, it was whilst I started with a few, a handful of TOS episodes, TNG is what really captured my imagination. That was the, it used to be on at like 11 o'clock at night. So mum would stay up and record it for me and I would race home from school the next day to watch it. And yeah, it, the That's, memories of that are just, you can't take them away from me. They're amazing. Of course. Of course. That's mm. so great to hear. So yeah, I didn't experience TOS till much later it sounds right. like you, it sounds like you kind of caught up, you know, through those VHSs that your mom either mm. purchased or recorded from television. Um, do you recall your opinions about TOS forming at that early age, or did you start forming some thoughts and opinions about it later or anything like that come about for you? Yeah, it, it's definitely harder to watch now than yeah. it was for me at that point i mm. i loved it i i loved tos at, at that young age and it started a, a huge love of sci-fi in general and in fact i it kicked off there was a a video rental store near me that had the best sci-fi section ever it had old doctor who's it had blake seven battlestar galactica buck rogers you name it it had it yeah. and I, at the time, I, 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 the special effects and cheesy sets and all that kind of stuff did not bother me because I, my imagination is what got carried away with me watching it because I could look beyond all of that at that age yeah, and I could see the story and I could see the characters and I could see the settings and I, my mind was, I sort of tried to describe this to someone the other day, right? Like it's, Star Trek and science fiction has always blown my mind at the possibilities of the universe Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, cause like I said, I didn't come to TOS until much later, but one of the things that it did impress upon me was, uh, and you know, it, yeah, some of the older stuff's a little harder to watch, but I was able to sort of, uh, check my, uh, nerddom, check my fandom at the door and just, and just let it wash over me. Mm -hmm. And if you can look past the, you know, cardboard sets and the cheap costumes and cheesy makeup and stuff like that. If you can look past that in the writing, they were doing some really, really incredible things, mm. some really fantastic storytelling. Um, you know, the whole crew and of course, you know, DC Fontana gets, uh, you know, a big chunk of the credit most more often than not. But like there were a bunch of writers that were mm. really pushing uh, the bounds of things that had been done in science fiction on television and they were breaking new ground. You know, they were discussing yeah. race and religion and politics and economics and uh, social things, political things. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting time. It was a really interesting time for television, let alone science fiction. I mean, science fiction's always been 
sort of a mirror to um, to let, you know, for us to look at ourselves and say, you know, for it to be sort of a a cautionary tale. And uh, I always really appreciated that, even though I was raised on TNG and all that stuff. So so let's let's jump. Let's jump ahead to New Trek 2017, Mm. I believe, is when Discovery dropped. So you've, you know, raised on TOS, got into TNG and the legacy Trek. Now, after a big chunk of time has passed, you know, some movies here and there, but Discovery drops. What were your initial thoughts on Discovery? Yeah, look, I think we've all had an interesting relationship with Discovery. I have always thoroughly enjoyed it and i have always tried to keep my mind open Mm -hmm. to the fact that it doesn't have to be the star trek i grew up with because time you know tng and all that was not the same star trek that my my mother grew up with my mother hates discovery but we won't go into that okay (laughs) we we won't hold that against her (laughs) but and even going back and, and watching the episode we're going to talk about today, I was like, "This, this is good. It's doing like it was. It, it wasn't always perfect, but go back and look at any of the Berman era or the original series. Whenever was it perfect? In fact, its imperfections is, is probably what makes the really good stuff stand out even more. Yeah. So, and, and you know, and, and so many people hate it with such a passion like to such a disgusting hatred yeah and to be honest the more i saw people pushing back against it the more determined i was to like it <laughs> that makes sense. i'll show you <laughs> but yeah you know look could they have maybe did did they have to set it beforehand and and trigger off the fandom like that you know they they could have very easily have you know started it in the distant future or somewhere past tng Whatever. I, I still appreciate it for, for what it is. I think it's a, a beautiful cast. I think it's filmed and written really well. I think it, it tackles so many modern issues. And as a, a very proud member of the LGBTIQ community, I see so much normalized diversity on screen. And that's another thing that really pisses people off. And therefore that's another thing that makes me want to love it more. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I well, you know, cause I've, I, I mean, I've talked with enough people, you know, on this show and uh, in, in my real life and uh, yeah, the folks that really hate it, like, man, this new track is just, ugh. And I was just like, Hey, hate to tell you at one point, TNG was new track. <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. this has happened before it'll happen again <laughs> and oh yeah I, yeah in terms of uh you, you spoke of the diversity um i've been so impressed with the, the diversity not only in front of the camera but behind the camera as well mm-hmm. they're they are really branching out to a lot of different creative storytellers i'll just say storytellers yep. as a blanket term here but writers uh directors uh you're getting cast from every walk of life and um you know this this is kind of if you if you look at what star trek preaches oh yeah (laughs) it's this (laughs) and to be honest like 
we're getting some really fantastic stories in a format that we haven't had before. This is the first, I mean, a couple of Legacy Trek kind of experimented with the idea of ser serialization. Um, Deep Space Nine had some stuff. Voyager had a little bit here and there. Enterprise season three is pretty much entirely serialized. But this is the first water cooler Star Trek. Like you kind of have to have watched all of it um, to be able to get it. It's not really, I mean, here we are, we're, we're hip deep into part two of season one. And we've only, we've only had really one bottle episode so far. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the overall narrative really outweighs the bottle episodes, uh, by far. So before we keep going further, where, where along in this trek of fandom for you, did you say, Hey, I know what, let's do a, a trivia game show podcast. Like what, what was, <laughs> what was the genesis Take me, take me through from spark to execution. How did it go, man? Yeah, it's the spark actually happened one day when I was walking to the gym. Like, but what kind of brought that thought on was a, a very dear friend of mine, uh, Christos, who hosts a show called What's the T-Bev. He was just starting What's the T-Bev, and I know that he's he he's involved with some other shows uh, for friends that I have from STLV. Uh, they have a little podcast network. They have all kinds of, you know, Star Trek and other pop culture themed shows. And I'd been listening to them and Christos was like, I'm going to have you on the show. And I was like, Oh, this is so exciting. I, I would love to do this. Cause I've always wanted to be able to get into some kind of, you know, content creation, whatever it might be. And so anyway, after Christos invited me to be on the show, I was, literally walking to the gym like half an hour later and i thought i keep trying to get onto other people's shows what would i do if i did my own show what would it actually be good question and i and here's the thing i love trivia i love quiz shows you know game shows with quizzes all that kind of stuff i absolutely yes. adore them and i I kind of took a little bit of an inspiration from a, a TV show here in Australia called Hard Quiz, where people come on and they get quizzed on their specialty topic. Ooh. And I was like, well, everyone's specialty topic will be Star Trek on my show. So, yeah, that's kind of where, where the idea came from. Like, you know, I, I, I did, you know, the, the idea, the, the name Trexperts is, is, is not original and that's okay. There are, we, we've got, we do have the other Trexperts out there and they are fabulous. I've, I've read their books, I listen to their shows, they are wonderful. They're the Trexperts, though. On my show, everyone's the Trexperts. Ah, <laughs> That's the difference, I go. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I may have mentioned it to you, or maybe I did, maybe I didn't. The original the original title for this show was going to be Trexperts. And you did tell me that, yes. Yeah, yeah. I had I, a quick Google search. Like, oh, nope, that's taken. <laughs> But you you got yeah. going um, sometime last year, is that right? You got yeah, you're, it was you're about October. you're about twenty ish episodes in, is that right? Yeah, we've, we've had about 16, 17 episodes, including okay. some sort of bonus content that I I do for the for a Patreon. But um, yeah, it it just kind of picked up momentum. Like I was like, I'm just gonna 
give this a try and you know see if people want to come on and do it and i did the first episode with some friends here locally in melbourne and my partner anthony helped out keeping score and we got drunk on espresso martinis and sat around the dining room table and like <laughs> go go and listen to that first episode i forget the rules half the time and it goes all over the place like i love listening back to it because i was like wow i'm, I'm amazed anyone listened to this or then uh, oh this is great i'll listen to the next one <laughs> yeah people took an interest yeah and I, I relentlessly hounded other podcast hosts to come on the show and you know, word started to get out. And uh, you were one of the first people to actually proactively reach. You were the first one, actually. You proactively reached out and said, hey, this looks great. I'll come on. And yeah, it's, nice. it's just, I, I love it's, you know, I, I don't get hundreds and hundreds or thousands of listeners I get a, a, a modest amount and I just love this little thing I've created. It's just, it's my little thing and it's, and it's beautiful and people are really enjoying it. Yeah. I, you know, cause I've gone through, uh, whenever I'm in the grocery store and I pass by the magazine rack and I see those ultimate guide to star Trek or star <laughs> Trek handbook or, or, you know, what, a, you know, Time Magazine does them sometimes, and there's a couple of other outlets that put those out from time to time, you know, and I always like, okay, let's see what you got. Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. You don't say like <laughs> <laughs> the first interracial kiss. No way. Really? <laughs> like, and it's so, yeah. it's such a blanket type thing, but uh, you know, if, uh, if you're down perhaps in the after show, Oh, I've got a couple trivia questions for you, if you don't mind. Oh, you you know what? Some people have been dying to get me to do that on their show, so I I always say it like I uh, I I'm great at reading the questions. We'll see how good I am at actually answering them. So I tell you what, I'll be gentle. But uh, <laughs> if if anybody is interested to hear Davey Willett answer trivia questions. You got to become a Patreon supporter. So head on over to Patreon and support us. So uh, let's let's get into this episode of Discovery. Like, what were your initial thoughts going in? I mean, I I, I think this is at least a, this wasn't your first viewing. This is a rewatch for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any uh, any thoughts going in? Yeah. Look, this was actually my favorite. This whole arc in the Terran universe was my favorite part of the whole first season, to be Pretty honest. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a very, it, I mean, in, in context of the whole first season, it's a little jarring that we all of a sudden jump into this uh, out of nowhere. But yeah, I, when, when you told me my episode, I'm like, yes, this is like, you know, right in the thick of that arc. Uh, perfect. Absolutely perfect for me. Yeah, we've we got uh, a couple of things uh, working. I, I think the big focus, the big focus is um, obviously the relationship between Burnham and Tyler, and then what is happening with Stamets, and of course the death of the death of uh, his partner Culber, which mm. shattered me and my wife because we just love them so much. They you, you don't mm -hmm. really see a lot of you don't really see a lot of working happy couples in star trek like you've got absolutely you got keiko and miles and that's about it <laughs> yeah 
And but, we talked about representation before. And yeah. I can't tell you when, when they introduced those two, like they were just, they just were. It wasn't this big fanfare. It was just that beautiful scene where they were brushing their teeth. And I can, I can honestly say as someone who in this day and age, I still find myself in situations at work or in other places where I hesitate to use the actual pronoun to describe the fact that my partner is a man. And to see that very normal representation it meant so much. So equally, equally as gutted when he died. And I was yeah. like, no, no, no. I, I, I saw him at STLV. Why would they take him to STLV if he was going to die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, up until now, it's been kind of like, oh, I got a phaser burn on my shoulder or some, you know, really strong beast, you know, did one of these and threw me against the wall. But this was pretty, pretty definitive at the time with mm-hmm. the, with the neck break and all that stuff. Um, Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit uh, before we get, uh, you know, just surface level here about what's going on between Burnham and Tyler. Like we've we've discussed over the past few weeks that clearly Tyler's working through some PTSD, but we don't really understand to the extent of what is actually happening with him. And mm. Burnham, who is rediscovering her humanity has never been in love before and she has attached herself with Tyler to a degree. Uh, any thoughts about the relationship and the issues presenting themselves here with Burnham and Tyler? Yeah, it was <laughs> their relationship. Like it, it could almost kind of stray into some like toxic areas <laughs> at times, Yeah, especially. Yeah. Like it's, um, I mean, it's, I, I've always kind of struggled with what she really saw in him, to be perfectly honest. I actually, I didn't mind the character of Tyler. I just didn't quite get why him for her. I mean, obviously, okay, why him? Because of, there's, you know, spoilers, rah, rah, rah. What, what kind of happens next creates a, a wonderful bit of, uh, you know, tension and, and drama. Um, but even even them getting back together, if they do, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some potential toxicity there. That that's how I've always felt about it. I've never never quite got it. Yeah, I I've been trying to figure out you know what it is, and you know I think it's because maybe the healthy dose of reality of him being mm. a POW and Vulcans yeah. being so trained in logic, uh, you know, and having such a firm grasp of of logic there's something about the the soldier coming back with a very clear vision of life Mm. i think um and you know what i'm gonna press pause on that um so before we get too much deeper let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters rev j jerry antimano cosmic crit kitty b and david willett because I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Every moment is a test. And everywhere I turn, there's fear. Can you continue to pretend to be one of them? Even as little by little, it kills the person you really are. 
Maybe none of us really know what darkness is waiting inside. In sickbay, Stamets is still dazed and talks incoherently about trees while holding the body of Doc Culber. Meanwhile, on the ISS Shinzu, a Kelpian enters Burnham's quarters to give her a bath. She then goes to the transporter room to attend an execution via beam out to space. Burnham's almost getting used to the routine. Tyler calls her his tether, relating an experience from his training. While together, the Kelpian walks in, prompting Tyler to leave under Burnham's disguised disgust. She briefly breaks her cold role by giving the Kelpian a name, Saru. While alone, Tilly calls Burnham and puts Saru on. Can you hear me now? Good. Burnham can't analyze or send the large amount of data from her location, so she'll need to find another way. Burnham lies about other Kelpians. Saru lies about Culber. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Burnham gets a call from Captain Maddox for a mission. Destroy the Klingon stronghold on Harlak. Rather than set a course, Burnham wants to infiltrate the compound beforehand to gather info on more rebel bases. And on that note, we cue the music. Lorca talks to Burnham in private, getting some relief from the agonizer booth. He wants to follow through with the mission, but Burnham says there's hope in figuring out what brought the other races together. Lorca reluctantly agrees. Alright! Tilly figures out he has a neuronal link to the mirror universe, so she puts Stamets in the spore chamber and starts to give him spores. Meanwhile, Tyler and Burnham transport to the surface and are soon fired upon. Burnham gives herself up and they're taken to the camouflaged encampment. There, they find Valk, the leader of the Resistance, and his prophet, Sarek. She admits the Emperor knows their location. Sarek mind-melds with her and confirms everything to Valk. Valk agrees to Burnham's deal and prepares to evacuate. Burnham asks them how they were able to overcome their disparate cultures, and Valk explains. During his explanation, Tyler is triggered to attack Valk. They fight, but Valk wins. Valk challenges both of them, but Sarek emphasizes he still vouches for Burnham, not Tyler. They let him go and provide some info for her so she can prove her mission was successful. How convenient! Back on the ISS Shinzu, Burnham confronts Tyler, noting the recent events. He admits that he feels something for Laurel, that he feels forced to listen when she speaks, and that he suspects he isn't actually Tyler. Amidst Burnham's arguments, Tyler admits to killing Culber. Reverting to Takuvma, he gives her details of their first meeting that weren't in her report to Starfleet. He takes her by the neck, but newly named Saru appears behind him, throwing him across the room. Detmer takes him into custody and prepares him for execution. Meanwhile, Stamets lies in the chamber still. He then twitches until his panel lights up. Stamets finds himself in a vast environment full of spores. Then he encounters himself. Burnham attends Tyler's spacing. She steps towards him, very close, and asks for his last words. She then pushes the operator aside and transports him herself. In space, Tyler appears and starts to die, but then is soon beamed out by the discovery. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> Saru steps towards him 
and takes the data chip out of his uniform. Sneaky, sneaky, sir. Lorca recommends to Burnham that they need to keep up appearances in case Saru can't decode the data. Just then, another ship begins firing on the rebel base. Burnham then discovers whose ship it is. Emperor Philippa Giorgio. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited to tell you about this. Hey folks, it's your old pal, Mr. Todd A. Davis here from the Computer Resume Podcast. Get ready to boldly go where, well, thousands have gone before. It's Trek Fest 38! Yay! June 23rd and 24th in Riverside, Iowa. Hey! Is this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Come enjoy all kinds of free activities for you and your whole family. This year's event will feature Chase Masterson from Deep Space Nine, some of the best bands in the area on the Riverside Casino and Golf Resort sponsored main stage, food, drinks, and yours truly will be doing some hosting and emceeing. I'll be upset if you don't come get a selfie with me. For more info about this year's Trek Fest, visit them on Facebook at Riverside Trek Fest or on the web at trekfest.org. That's T-R-E-K-F-E-S-T dot org. Riverside isn't just where the best begins, it's where Trek begins. Now, back to the show. So, yeah, like I started saying before the recap, I feel like certain people who go, who go through certain things have a particular view on life on society. Um, I feel I'll speak from my own experience. Um, my time in law enforcement kind of gave me a glimpse of the not so nice side of society. Um, be it violence, drugs, weapons, um, and other things. Uh, and I feel like that kind of either numbs you to some stuff, but it also kind of gives you a uh, perspective, a certain, a certain point of view on a lot of things. And I, th I think sometimes that ends up manifesting itself in how you vote or what you put your time and energy towards in terms of like charities and stuff like that. Um, have you experienced anything like this that gave you a very, I mean, maybe not maybe not soldiering or law enforcement or anything like that, but have you, have you experienced something that gave you a very specific point of view on life? Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's, there's an, a, a single experience that I, that I find to be particularly defining. I think, I think all of us are definitely just a, a, a sum of collective life experiences, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you made a really interesting point there around, you know, those experiences could shape your, the way you vote. So political views, religious views, whatever it may be, you know, you know, growing, growing up as LGBTIQ, uh, you know, having a, having a different experience through, through high school as, you know, a fairly, uh, you know, tubby little effeminine boy at the time, you know, kind of shapes it sometimes shapes how I feel about about straight guys because they were always the enemy, right? And I, I don't like to sort of you know put people in, into any one particular basket, but um, you know, the, 
everything has kind of just shaped me in, into the individual I am. I, I think that I, I don't want to sort of bang on the LGBTIQ part too much, but what was once one of the more shameful parts of my personality mm-hmm. or one of, you know, some realizing that there was something so different about me and, and, and growing up in a society where everything was geared to tell you that that wasn't right yeah. to coming out and realizing that actually I've got a huge place in the world. I have a huge community and it's actually a beautiful thing. Like people sometimes say to me, if you, if you could choose, because it's not a choice, it is absolutely not a choice. But they say, if you could choose, would you choose to have been straight instead of gay? And I'm like, I, it's such a hard question. Because on one hand, I would have loved to have been spared some of the angst and bullying and uh, feeling outside that, that I did growing up. And even as, as a young man in my 20s trying to find my place. Right. But then I have had some wonderful beautiful experiences that have only been afforded to me as being LGBTIQ. And I wouldn't give those up for anything. I would not give my beautiful partner, Anthony, up for anything. Like, he's just amazing and perfect, and I adore him to bits. And I I would not have that beautiful, loving, supporting relationship if, if I wasn't that way. So I think it's a, it's a different example to yours, Todd, but I think you know, it's... It's yeah. in that same vein, right? You know, you, you yeah. are what you are but, and it's hard to, you, and it's hard to change people's minds sometimes, but do you know what? I think we're learning in the modern age that people's minds can be changed. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was talking with somebody recently about, uh, I forget the context of the discussion, but I ended up saying one of my, you know, favorite go-to phrases of like, look, everything you experience ends up shaping who you are to the next Mm. moment and then when you get there those experiences shape you for the one after that and uh you know i grew up in a very very religious household where um if you weren't straight you're clearly going to hell and that sort of thing but then i look at the community of uh, of just star trek of just star trek friends Mm. that i've made uh from every walk of life and the experience I had uh, this past weekend uh, out in Los Angeles for shuttle pod. I, I met a slice of those fans. And again, from every walk of old, young, black, white, uh, and, and every infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Isn't that what, uh, Uh, yeah. Isn't that Uh, the Vulcan uh, thing? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I, that you know that got reinforced to me because those people were just so wonderful and genuine and I kept thinking back to little Todd sitting in church hearing hearing this stuff and just kind of like oh but I would have really missed out on some wonderful friendships and some wonderful moments if I had held to that and not to say mm-hmm. not to say anybody's religious experience is invalid or anything i'm you know I'm, absolutely not I'm sure no. that's yeah. great but it's just kind of like you know there's there's something to be said for and I, i'll take it back to religious if we're truly commanded to love one another isn't that part of it like you have to kind of embrace people <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so anyways, but uh, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, you know, now that we're kind of in spoiler territory, do you have any more <laughs> thoughts about Burnham and Tyler, uh, Stamets and Culber, um, and, and everything that unfolds here and their big reveal of Emperor Philippa Giorgio? Oh, yeah. Look, I, I will admit that even even on the first watch, I I could see some of the the big reveals coming for sure. Right. But uh, on rewatch it in preparation for to talk to you today, Todd, I I think I appreciated the much darker and grittier tone on the Terran universe because it's been re- represented in pretty campy ways until now. Right. <laughs> But there is some scary undertones to this. Like there was a, a bit in the beginning when they're doing the, the beam out and they were on trial for impure thoughts towards the emperor. Uh-huh. As someone who is a huge fan of dystopian sci-fi and dystopian fiction, stuff like that scares the living daylights out of me. But like, it's so right. good at the same time, right? Like you got to think like this is, we, we, we kind of laugh at the, ha-ha, Spock with his funny little, you know, goatee <laughs> all that. He's evil. <laughs> and it's the bad versions of everyone. But, like, no, like, this is... It's actually a traumatizing experience for the characters this episode. And I really appreciate the fact that Burnham, she really struggles with living in this other skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only not only does she struggle... She struggles with the fact that she's getting comfortable with it. And yes, that's right. That is dangerous, dangerous territory. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, that it has been campy in the past. I think of the progression of uh, the mirror universe from TOS to the mirror universe that's presented in Deep Space Nine, which is a little bit darker, but still kind of mm. more piratey than like yeah, yeah, yeah. evil. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sexy Kira. (laughs) Right, right. Which eh, you really have to go that far. Like, come on, (laughs) come on. Uh, And you know, Enterprise had a couple of episodes, but they kind of straddled the line of the campy look from the '60s Mm. and sort of that darker, piratey, you know, version from Deep Space Nine. But right off the bat, right here, I mean, let's be honest. Discovery starts on a dark tone altogether. Mm. Then we go to the mirror universe and it's kind of like, okay, you th- if you thought stuff was dark before, cr- knuckle crack, like <laughs> hold my beer, yeah. Yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, they really double down. I mean, it's black and gold and just mm-hmm. knives on everybody's hips and just I mean, you're fighting people in turbo lifts just cuz and you know, people and then, I mean, the agonizer booths were there in TOS, but here it is so much more intense. And I mean, part of that's production, you know, uh, digital effects plus plus sound design gets you a more intense experience. But um, yeah, just overall darker. Uh, what do we think of, I mean, because Star Trek is championed as this this sliver of sci-fi pop culture that inspires hope Mm -hmm. but it has this vein 
running through it, the mirror universe. And I mean, sci-fi, like I said earlier, sci-fi is meant to be a mirror held up to us to, you know, as sort of a cautionary tale. What do we think of the presentation of the mirror universe in Star Trek as a whole, the, the franchise as a whole? How do we feel about that? Well, I feel like we we live in a time where either future looks plausible. In fact, maybe the mirror universe could be more humanity's fate than 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 anything else. Like you know, yeah. the, there's um you know there, there's probably I think there's there's people right now who look at maybe you know dystopian stuff like The Handmaid's Tale and think it's a comedy. Like it's <laughs> it could really like go go either way at this point you know star trek is you know what what i think one of the things we really love about it is you know look this look what we could be you know and and people struggle so much with with the whole idea of this non-capitalist society it's like you know a a society where i can be a waiter just because i like being a waiter i don't know (laughs) just to have to pay my rent right (laughs) yeah but then you, you look at the um you look at the mirror universe and then you've got to sometimes wonder like is it a little bit you know it's it's certainly sensationalized but could it be a little bit more like how our society could be because how does it function people are stabbing each other in the back oh wait that happens in the corporate world anyway it's just not it's 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 not done with an actual knife like exactly exactly it's you know to be honest i feel like stabbing somebody in the back with a physical knife might actually be cleaner and more honorable than how it's done in the corporate world where it's just lying and just sleazy, slimy behind doors. And, uh, you know, the two faced, the two faced nature of that Mm. type of, of uh, disloyalty and anger and stuff like that. And, you know, you hit on it a little bit earlier of like star Trek, the prime universe shows us what we could be. The mirror universe shows us what we could be like good and bad of just kind of like, oh, well, at least I'm not that bad. But you know what? We're not far off from that. Handmaid's Tale. It's that is dangerously close to stuff that's happening in pretty, pretty. It hits pretty close to home for a lot of people. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, So looking at stuff like the resistance and people you know from all walks of life uh gathering you know to fight a common enemy i think that's that's pretty much how they described the formation of the resistance and with the federation they're not so much bonded um they're not so much bonded against a common enemy but they're bonded with a common goal of exploration and peaceful cohabitation coexistence um you know you mentioned your community and we've also mentioned the podcasting community and uh different walks of life are we seeing are we seeing some of these groups form in our everyday life and like have you had experiences uh maybe not you know as a resistance fighter or anything but like have you have you seen groups like this form with the same goals and under the same sort of umbrella of objectives absolutely absolutely i you know you you talked about you know coexistence kind of thing there and you know one of the the big things that modern society can learn from the federation is it's 
differences that make us stronger as opposed to you know the differences that drive us apart like we live in a world now where like it's like if you don't believe the same thing i believe then i am just gonna like i am so against you i'm just gonna shut you down we we never we we are getting so much further apart from each other on the way that we view the world and look i've been guilty even as a gay man of of isolating myself within you know because i've I've only felt i've gone through a period of my life where i felt like i i literally only associated with with other gay men because i i felt safe there and i felt in my bubble and people shared my views and all that kind of stuff but you know now like with you know with gay being so much more than just cisgendered white gay men there's like <laughs> we've got so much more that's a part of the lgbtiq rainbow and i i f- hope that we're learning to look after each other a little bit more in this day and age and and that doesn't just sort of you know account for lgbtiq people but it's 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 you know people of of different genders or people who are you know who are who are transgendered or whatever it might be um straight like it's we're all just people right and we all have different experiences and my lived experience is no less valid than anyone else's in fact you could learn something from it you could find something insightful from it i could find something insightful from you (laughs) but instead we're scared we're really scared of each other for some reason you know that's something that um burnham and tilly were talking about because tilly wasn't sure that she could portray the the cold angry nature of of the terrans and burnham says they live in fear this is this is what living in fear does to you and you know and i won't single out a particular group but when you look at groups that are they're hate groups whether they're official or not they're living in fear they're living in fear of something that more often than not does not exist. They're afraid that, you know, pick pick a group is going to come and take their their home, their job, their family, their kids, their whatever. And it's just like that is that is not the case. <laughs> like, yeah, odds are they have a home, a job, a family, kids, whatever that they're trying to hang on to as well. We all are. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that living in fear, oh man. So, um, quick question to sort of set up my next question is Anthony watching Star Trek with you? Like, is he, is he a big fan or is he getting there? (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) he, oh God love him. He tried, he tried when we first got together, he tried so hard and he had to, he actually really just said to me just recently, I I've, I feel really bad because I've tried to get into it and I just can't. And I'm like, it's okay, babe. It's okay. Yeah. To as, be honest, as... no one, no one I've ever dated has. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? God bless him for trying. You know, a lot of people will just, they'll, they'll either fake it and they're muscle yeah. their way through it, or they'll just be like, I no, I'm adamantly opposed to it, but at least he gave it the, he gave it the good oh, yeah. old college try. <laughs> oh yeah, and he encourages me, you know what I mean? Like you know, he doesn't want me watching it all the time when he's around, which is perfectly fine. 
Um, but you know, he's he's come on the show before. He and he is so entertaining when he comes on the show as scorekeeper because he his naivety about the franchise creates fabulous humor. Because the first time he was on the show and I asked her questions about the Cardassians, all you hear off to the side is Anthony go, which one of the Cardassians was in Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even scripted. It was a genuine, like, really? Like, he's like, do the Cardassians know that Star Trek <laughs> is using their name? I'm like, babe, it's different. <laughs> different, different spelling, different pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so that leads me to my next uh, thing. We already kind of talked about our love of uh, Stamets and Colbert played wonderfully by Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz. Love those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, seeing, seeing what Stamets is kind of going through here. I mean, he's in a spot where he's still kind of dazed of everything that's happening, but like holding, you know, holding his partner, holding his Mm -hmm. husband, uh, dead like did that bring anything up for you uh you know did that did that stir anything like I, I know when the wife and i watch stuff like this and there's a couple that we really connect with and then they get put through the ringer we hold each other a little bit tighter <laughs> and stuff like that yeah, did, yeah. Did anything like that come up for you watching these guys definitely watching it when it first came out i was single i, I was not with anthony back then uh but you know it, it certainly you know i was devastated in the sense that you know that they had this beautiful representation of a same-sex couple that kind of got ripped away from us very quickly but i yeah i i I certainly feel it a bit more now i'm i don't know if you watched the 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 last of us but they had an episode recently you know no spoilers but there's an episode in that with uh that involves a, a tragically beautiful story about a gay couple and that had me howling on the floor and i made anthony he doesn't normally watch that kind of stuff but i made him sit down and watch it with me and even he was just like i thought there was a show about zombies What's go- Why is this- <laughs> i'll be honest i've been a little timid intimidated uh well i shouldn't say intimidated i've been kind of uh skeptical about the last of us just because i feel okay. i felt so burned uh by walking dead um uh. but- the wife and I read the books. The show was a big departure. So I'm kind of, you know, because it's based on a highly successful video game and it, that involves a lot of people that I love from Critical Role. Mm. You know, I'm kind of like, oh, do I get into this or sh- should I, shouldn't I? But you know what? That It's fabulous. Do it. Really? Okay. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm the same with The Walking Dead. Like, I... Really? I struggled with what, like, I loved so many moments of it, but then there were so many parts of it that let me down. Last of Us, and as someone who's played through the original game that this first Ooh. season is based on about five times, it's a masterclass in really? how to do an adaption. Yep. Enough is the same with enough of it being a departure, uh, with enough, you know, enough like little deviations to, yeah. uh, to, to surprise and delight the, the seasoned fans. Um, and there's enough stuff in there to to piss off all the wrong people too, which I love. So <laughs> nice, nice. That's always that's always fun. That's always fun. All right, okay. Yeah. Cards on the table, and then we'll get back to Star Trek. I um, sure. 
uh, I read the books of The Walking Dead, and uh, I actually used to have them on my nerd shelf here. Now they're out in the living room. Yeah. But um, when in the show, spoilers for Walking Dead, but uh, in the show, when th- there were a lot of deviations from the book, mm-hmm. but it kept mostly on the same track until um, the death of Carl. Mm. And when that happened, I pushed, you know, I pushed back from the table. I was like, all right, I'm done. And the wife's just like, really? Why? I was just like, you just took away your main character's motivation. Mm-hmm. Why would I keep watching? Like he has no motivation. That has been his sole motivation since episode one Yeah, to, to get back to and protect his family. His family is gone now. So I'm not really invested in Rick. And Rick's mm-hmm. like the main guy. I mean, you had a lot of big players. You had a lot of, I mean, everybody loved Daryl. In the books, Daryl didn't make it out of volume one. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> and you had Michonne. I was like, well, the Rick and Michonne thing. I was just like, do you think Rick actually has, air quotes, has Michonne? No, no. not at all. So I don't know. I just... After, after, I mean, I was okay with a couple of deviations here and there because they kind of stayed on the right track and they, you were getting some wonderful performances and the production value was through the roof. But at some point, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, what, what crazy, you know, creature effects did K and B come up with this week? And then (sighs) after, you know, there were a couple of instances of a couple of misplaced episodes, I'll say. And just, yeah, that's it. I'm out. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but, I, don't think, I don't think I got much past that part either. Like I think really? somewhere around season six, yeah. it just became work as opposed to something enjoyable. I was like, I must get through this season because I love zombie. <laughs> but like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And you know, I, cause again, uh, did you ever read the books, The Walking Dead? Uh, not in their entirety. I, I think I got like in the hard covers, I think I got somewhere up to around about volume like nine or 10. Um, that's that, yeah, yeah that's that's pretty years far and along. years and years ago though yeah yeah um i think the wife and i got the volume one of the trade paperback i want to say maybe a month before the show hit and right. and we started reading those and we 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 kept on them pretty regularly up until about volume 24 25 26 somewhere around in there and yeah. um life catches up and we're just you know, we've we've kind of gotten out of the habit now but Part of me wants, you know, the show to kind of go away so that I can go back to the book and approach it with fresh eyes and read through it again and continue and maybe finish the finish that series. Anyways, back to Star Trek. Uh, oh, yes. We, we now That's return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Um, so uh, any anything else, uh, anything else about uh, this particular episode that stuck out to you, be it the relationship between uh, Burnham and Tyler and sort of uh, Tyler fighting Valk, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and of course, you know, seeing mirror universe, Sarek and all that. Um, and then, you know, uh, Stamets and Culber um, and everything going on there with, you know, Stamets eventually encountering himself in the mycelial network and, and things like that. And then of course, Emperor Jerk. Uh, Emperor Giorgio. Um, anything else that we may have missed? We haven't really talked about Lorca. Lorca and what's going on in his space too as well. Like he's... 
love Lorca. I love Lorca. We- so do I. And people were so polarized by a, uh, you know, a, a captain of a Star Trek show that was a total dick. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he the, the portrayal of, of him and and as a central character and 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 the way he just kind of like you know agitated the crew and trying to figure out like what it actually is that is motivating him like i just i i wish that there was a crew i mean it's sci-fi there's always a, a way to kind of you know do, do more Lorca, right but of course. um yeah, I think there's, you know, I, I was kind of paying attention to Lorca a little bit towards the end of this episode because I think it's becoming clear that, you know, that we're, we're getting closer to learning what is the deal with Lorca. Yeah, because, I mean, I've had enough veterans uh, on the show to know that he's really putting out boots on the ground soldier vibes. He's yeah. all right. Yeah. Let's grab it and growl. Let's get in there. Let's do the thing. We're going to get the job done. This is who we are. This is not a science vessel anymore. This is a warship. What we've got is the best weapon of Starfleet's arsenal. Let's go kick some ass and take some names. Actually, you know what? Screw the names. Let's just kick ass. That's that's his whole that's his whole vibe. So he's been a really interesting character to watch because you can see. And I mean, both of us are coming from a place of knowledge where we know where Lorca's story ends up, but trying to approach it with fresh eyes, we're kind of seeing him test everybody, sometimes literally, you know, we, mm-hmm. I think one of the episodes starts with a very intense uh, training simulation, but he's just kind of like, no, again, let's go. And I mean, really putting them through the ringer. And uh, yeah, he's been fantastic. Jason Isaacs, like, just batting a thousand, you know, just knocking it out of the park and going toe to toe with Michelle Yeoh, who, mm-hmm. I mean, ha- is having a killer year so far. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But like going back and revisiting all of these episodes with Giorgio and again, coming from a place of knowledge, we know where Giorgio's story ends up. But watching just episode to episode, she is so just magnetic like you 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 can't take your eyes off absolutely wonderful um any other thoughts about you know jason isaacs michelle yo uh anything oh definitely michelle yo oh my god i bet yeah there is nothing i adore more than an actor that chews the scenery every time they're on camera yes and you've got michelle yo and jason isaacs both doing that in discovery and like when, when michelle yo returns as emperor Giorgio, oh like what a gift for her because she clearly was having the best time oh yeah doing that character <laughs> and we were having the best time watching her like she just truly steals every single scene and i'm just yeah. like sometimes chewing the scenery can be used in in, in, in a bad in a bad way or in a, in a negative connotation but like i am like no 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 no. those are always my favorite characters like you oh know, yeah they're yeah they're the you know your jennifer coolidge's and all that kind of stuff that yeah. just <laughs> whenever they're on screen they're yeah. usually doing the same thing but they're doing it so bloody well <laughs> Right. You know, it makes me think of um, actress uh, Jennifer Tilly, 
who, mm. you know, she did it a couple times playing sort of that high pitched voice, um, buxom sex pot type character. But if you listen to her in interviews, she's just kind of like, yeah, I can do this thing. I do it really well. And they pay me really well to do it. Like, yeah, he knows exactly her. She it's like the one actor who doesn't seem to be mind who doesn't seem to mind being pigeonholed of just like, yeah, yeah, I have to go in and act like a bimbo. And they give me a crazy amount of money for it. (laughs) Awesome. And then it just lets her continue her hobby of playing poker and beating dudes at poker. (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, as much as we love uh, the actors uh, who play these wonderful characters, uh, we do this every week. Uh, We always have to ask the question, Lovingly, of course, who do we blame? Uh, This episode was written by Lisa Randolph. Her first credit was as an assistant on HBO's Oz. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And uh, the script, uh, she was script coordinator on various productions from 2003 to 2010. Her first writing credit was Baseball Wives, a TV movie from 2002, which was co-written with Julie Martin and directed by Steve Buscemi. So not a bad thing to have on your resume. (laughs) Uh, She would also uh, write three episodes of The Shield, seven episodes of Being Human. Uh, But this is her first of two scripts in the franchise. And I look forward to what else she has to offer later down the line. This episode was directed by TJ Scott, who's got some acting credits going back to 1972. uh, Most notably, Police Academies 1, 3, and 4. Not sure why he didn't do the second one, but oh well. Uh, started He started accruing some stunt work beginning in 1985, including 26 episodes of Friday the 13th, the series, from 1988 to 1989. His first directing gig was season one, episode 22 of Top Cops, 1991. He would go on to direct two episodes of Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, three episodes each of Hercules, The Legendary Journey, and Once, Upon, uh, Once a Thief. And then seven episodes each of Xena, Warrior, Princess, and Gotham. Uh, This is his first of two episodes directing in the franchise. So we'll see his work later again. And then the guest stars. We've got returning guest stars James Frain as Sarek and Michelle Yeoh Yeoh as Giorgio. (laughs) Uh, So... Davey, uh, we ask this question every week and, you know, during our journey through discovery, uh, we've kind of settled on the blanket answer, but we are going to continue asking the question, is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the very first time and they come to this episode, is this one that they can skip or is this a must see episode? The whole arc is is a must see. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, I think I probably <laughs> made my, my love of this part of season one clear right at the beginning, but yeah, absolutely. Like it is a a fabulous introduction to the the Terran universe by itself. Like you you could introduce someone to this arc without having seen Mirror Mirror or In the Mirror Darkly or all the ones in DS Nine. Yeah, it is just a well-written, well-performed by all the actors involved from from the moment they arrive to the moment they end. And this is kind of the... I think this is sort of the second act of the arc, in a way, like kind of like leading into the into the conclusion. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it sets oh, all the dominoes up for, for that finale. I love it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we said earlier, this is the first truly serialized Star Trek and it's hard it's hard to skip an episode for any reason, but even if you're just following the character the character arcs. Um if you're following obviously Burnham, she's the main protagonist, so of course, but this is a big turning point for Tyler. Um you know, we see uh, uh Stamets and Colber still uh you know this this is a big turning point for them you know this the you know last week this week and a few weeks to come we're having some really big moments in terms of what is happening with their relationship and uh it's it's good stuff coming good stuff coming for sure we're also seeing tilly uh really stepping up and uh putting her fear aside, I mean, she obviously had to do it here to to portray Captain Killy. Um, but, you know, we're, we're really seeing her work amidst acknowledging her fear and setting it aside. You know, being able to stay to the task at hand and, and to help her friends and to help her crew. Um, and that's been really great to see. And then, uh, you know, again, still following Jason Isaac's character and this this mysterious you know hard nails type captain what's his deal and then to be presented with this alternate version of Giorgio you know we fell in love with her early early on in part one of season one and now we're confronted with this mirror version and you know what's going to happen next um yeah I think this is an absolutely must see for sure for sure um Davey, thank you so much uh, for carving out the time. I know you're a busy guy and, uh, and you know, coming and being so open and honest and sharing your uh, your thoughts and experiences in your life with us today. I I I, I didn't think I could love you anymore, man. I, I, I love you even more, man. You, you're just you're just awesome. I, I treasure you. And thank you so much for coming on. Any parting thoughts? Uh, before we start wrapping it up about the episode, the series, the franchise, your experience on this podcast. Parting thoughts before we wrap it up. I look, look likewise, Toad. You are an absolute pillar in the Star Trek podcasting community. And uh, I, I, I very much value that the friendship and the connection that we've made through our shows and just through, through Star Trek in general. And from the moment you first reached out and the moment I heard your show, I'm like, oh, I hope I get to be on eventually. So, so oh, thank you so much. Thank um, you. One, one of the best things about, yeah, well, one of the best things about the the way I've kind of um, done my show is I get to meet so many people and then they I invite them on my show. I get to go on their show and I just get to sit around talking about Star Trek. It's pretty good. But yeah, yeah. look, the, the, the episode and Star Trek League, yeah, I mean, all of it, all of it means so much to me, which is why I am a firm believer that all Trek is is good Trek. And I'll quickly sort of go back to just one last little, I guess, sort of anecdote or story, if you will. Yeah, Just absolutely. to sort of a parting thought. It's just, it, it's, I tried to... Ex we talked about Anthony before, right? And, we're, you know, him not getting it and all that kind of stuff. And um, it actually led to a, a bit of a thing because, you know, I, I've taken a big interest in some of his stuff and, you know, he's really into football and all that kind of thing. And then he he felt bad that he couldn't quite get into my thing. And it, and it does take up a bit of my time with the podcast and all that kind of stuff. And I sat down with him and I explained to him, I said, you know, I've told you before I was a 
chubby little effeminate kid that I didn't have a lot of friends. I was picked on and I was bullied. And Star Trek was the one thing that was mine that I could always come to that got me and that no one could ever, ever take away from me. And then as an adult, I found out this thing that I thought was was just mine was actually way bigger than me. And there were so many other people just like me out there who got me. And it's always just been my home. Um, and yeah, so I know that may be hard to understand that a TV show gets me. It just does. <laughs> yeah. And that is what Star Trek means to me. And so it's just... It, it fills me with so much joy that I, I, I get to be a part of, of this community. So thank you, Todd. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And again, just so wonderful talking to you. Folks, next week, the moment of my revenge is at hand. Next week, we will be joined by the diabolical and delightful Amy Nelson to discuss Discovery Season 1, Episode 12, Vaulting Ambition, which is available exclusively on Paramount Plus. Davey, <laughs> where can people find uh, Trucksperts and what's what's in store, you know, the next couple episodes that haven't been released yet? Can you can you tease a couple of things? Yeah, of course I can. I, I mean, I'm always... The, 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 this is the great thing about doing a trivia show on Star Trek is there's just so much of it. Like, you can explore all kinds of things. Look, we've got... We are covering off some trivia on some of the remaining films that we haven't done trivia on yet. Ooh. And we, uh, we've, we've actually just uh, done our first ever live broadcast uh, as part of Strange New Pod's Captain Picard Week. And that's given me a little bit of a taste for producing video content. So we've just launched a YouTube page and have started asking my contestants whether they mind being recorded for a video show too. So pre-recorded and live videos to come. In fact, there is a team-based battle of the podcast in the works as well and some championship rounds and some redemption rounds as well. There is, Ooh. yeah, there's a, a lot coming up over the next few months on the Trexperts quiz. It's really exciting. Oh. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, everything you just said is making the hairs on my arms stand up. I'm so excited <laughs> for all of those things. I mean, I don't know that I've emphasized this enough. Just how much fun Davy's uh, podcast is, Trexpert's Quiz. Um, I went on with Matt Jennings, a wonderful mm -hmm. guy. In fact, he's booked to come back on the show in a couple weeks. Um, such a great guy, big big trekker, big trekker. Um. I lost pretty bad. I went back and counted up all the answers that I did know, but just didn't ring in fast enough. And I still would have lost. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is, this is the podcast for hardcore Trek fans. Like if you, if you, if you read those magazines that you find in the grocery store and you're constantly just, oh, they don't get it. Check out Trexpert's quiz. I guarantee it's going to have you scratching your head because the I'll be honest, when I when it was confirmed that I was coming on your show for the very first time, I was like, OK, well, let's go listen to their most recent episode. That episode, you pulled all your questions from the technical manuals. And I was like, I don't <laughs> I don't stand a chance on this show. <laughs> 
In all fairness, the contestants of that show host a show called Galaxy Class, uh, and they are they have the technical manual with them every time they record an episode. So oh, wow. I, I, I thought I thought that they they may get it, and, um, but anyway. You mentioned Matt Jennings just then as well. Remember yeah. I said I have a championship round coming up? We might see Matt again soon. Yeah. Do, I, do I know he'll, who he may be going up against? Uh, you, you may or may not. I don't know. Oh. You'll have to listen and find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, if you ever find yourself in need of another contestant, I am happy to come on and lose to whoever you may have. Um, <laughs> Where can people find Trexpert's quiz and where can people bother you on directly on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So Trexpert's quiz is across all the major social media platforms. You just got to search for Trexpert's quiz uh, or you can go to our website, Trexpert's quiz.com. The the show streams on all the major platforms as well. And we also have just, as I mentioned before, launched the Trucksports Quiz YouTube page. And some of our recent episodes are available there in video format too. So we are, we're all over the place. Uh, me personally, you can find my Instagram at dingodave84. Uh, and if you are in Melbourne, you can also see me performing with the Low Res Melbourne Male Pop Choir. Uh, later this year too so oh, todd didn't know that about me i didn't <laughs> know that about you oh we got we got some more things to talk about in the after show for sure <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening i'll see you at ted ford Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?